Come on, y'all didn't sound ready. Y'all ready for the word? Amen, amen. I believe that uh, there is a word from the Lord. Uh, if you would, uh, grab your Bibles. Amen. Grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14. First Samuel chapter 14. Now I know that we've all nestled in, and I don't know if I'm going to break protocol here, what's, what's proper to do here in this house, but at Roundup Mission and Baptist Church, when we read the subject scripture, we stand to our feet. So if you would stand with me, if you would stand with me really quick. And before I start reading, I'm going to ask you for some grace. Here's the grace that I need this morning because I'm a country boy from Lake City, South Carolina. And some of these names in the Bible, I murder. Amen? And if I put this microphone in your hand, I know you might do the same. So I'm going to ask that you show me some grace this morning as we attempt to, to read the Word of God. First Samuel chapter 14, I'm going to begin at verse 1. When you have it, just say amen. You need a second, say hold up. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father, Saul, he was staying. He did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibba under the pomegranate tree in Migron with him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahia, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ehavud, brother of Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross, to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boat Saints and the other Sinna. One cliff stood at the north towards Michmas, the other at the south towards Giva. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf or in our behalf Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But, somebody say but. But if they say come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes where they were hiding. The men 
of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up with me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet and his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed, killed, and followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts, the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. It was a panic sent by God. I like to use for a subject. When the church crawls out of the hole, the enemy panics. When the church climbs out of the hole, the enemy panics. Bow your head with me in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the assignment here today with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I pray now that you would settle me in my spirit as it has been obvious this morning that you don't want me to give birth. The enemy doesn't want me to give birth to this word. But I bind it in the name of Jesus. I bind it in the name of Jesus that whatsoever it is that God would have done in this place, it's already done. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord one more shout of praise. You may have your seats in the presence of our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I want to uh, begin uh, this morning with a what I called a, a prophetic observation. It's a prophetic observation. Um, typically, you know, prophecy or something prophetic is of things to come. Uh, this prophetic observation is uh, stated this morning uh, by things that have already happened and I perceive in my spirit things that will continue. Amen. So I'm calling it a prophetic observation. And that, that observation is this, that godly perspective among the people of God is often limited. Godly perspective among the people of God is often very, very limited. It's a perspective that causes the man or woman of God to be stirred with a righteous indignation at the very thought of injustice. I, I need to make sure that you're tracking with me today. It's a perspective. When I say that there's a shortage or there's an unlimited supply amongst the people of God, amongst the church, of a godly perspective, I'm going to give definition to it. It's a perspective that at the very thought of injustice, at the very thought of, of ungodliness, at the very thought of, of, of things not being in a godly order, a righteous indignation comes up within the man or the woman of God. Now, as, as we study the Bible, it was that perspective that we saw on Moses Whenever he came and he saw his brothers fighting amongst one another. 
It was a situation where there were many people perhaps that saw that brawl or that saw that disturbance or saw that, that, that disagreement where brother took hands and fists to one another and began to fight against one another. But it was Moses amongst uh, uh, all the people, or, or should I say, in the midst of everyone that witnessed uh, this brawl, it was Moses that had a perspective to look upon his brothers and say something ain't right. Of all the people that would see, you would think that there would be somebody other than one man that would see that it is not cool, that it's not in order, that it's not the right thing to do for brother to take his fist against brother. Come on, somebody. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Uh, kind of reminds me of today's world when Christians fight against Christians and we speak against one another and we talk against one another and we backstab one another. Seems to me that there ought to be somebody or somebodies that would stand up and say, this shenanigans ain't right. Come on, church. It's that perspective that Moses had to where he saw something that was, I classify as an injustice and a righteous indignation came up within him. It's, it's that, 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 that perspective of Joshua and Caleb that once sent out to spy the land that God had already given them and the people come in and, 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 and hear their report and they cannot receive it with gladness. They cannot receive it with confidence. But yet they cry out and say, we were as grasshoppers in our own eyes. In other words, uh, we heard what God said. We know what God is telling us to do. We understand that God is saying that we have the victory. But you don't understand that there are giants in this land that you sent us to. You don't understand that these people are, are seven, eight, nine foot tall, that there are champions uh, that, that occupy this land. Yeah, there's fruit in the land. Yeah, there's goodness in the land. But I need you to understand that we cannot, watch this, see how God is going to give little old me the victory. It's that perspective of Joshua and Caleb that would rent their clothes and, and cry out and say, uh, we be able, we are able. You don't understand that if God be for us, then who in the world can be against us? It's that perspective that, 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 that comes over and, and said, regardless of what everybody else in the room says, I know that God is able to give us the victory. And it's that perspective of Jonathan, whom we will study today. Jonathan, in an era to where the Philistines are, watch this, out of control. Where they are dominating the people of God. I, I need to talk about this for just a few minutes because we got to understand, I'm talking about a perspective where a righteous indignation comes up when there's injustice. And here's Jonathan knowing that we serve a God that cannot fail. Oh, I don't need to, to pump you and prime you today, but I wonder if there's anybody in the room that can agree with me that understands that we serve a God that cannot fail. Hey, <laughs> come on, come on. I, I, I need somebody in here that can witness to your neighbor and, and let your neighbor know that, 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 that God, if God be for me, So we, we, we catch this scripture in an era where Jonathan is a part of a group of people that don't seem to understand just how great God is. That don't seem to understand that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That, understand, that don't understand that he is the alpha and omega. 
the beginning and the end. They don't understand that everything that they were seeing and everything that they were experiencing was a result of, of, of one man speaking it into existence. And so the Philistines are out of control. They, they, they're, they're, as, as my mom used to say, when, when the children in her house used to start getting beside themselves, he said, you smelling yourself. Come on, any parents in here that's used that word before with your children, you give them some uh, instructions or directives, and they act like they don't want to do it, and you say, what's wrong with you, boy? You smelling yourself today. And in this season and time, the Philistines are smelling themselves. They're beside themselves. They, 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 they don't understand. They have forgotten, or they're acting like they don't know that, that, that God is all that in a bag of chips. They act like they don't understand that, that, that he is the man. And they're on the scene and they're not the only ones that don't understand that God is the man because obviously Israel doesn't understand it either. Because the Bible lets us in on, on, on this snapshot of history where it says that they're hiding themselves. They're in cliffs. They're in holes. They're in caves. They're behind bushes. They're, they're trembling with fear. Uh, they are without weapons. And they cannot see uh, what God is going to do in their life. They cannot see who they are in the eyesight of God. The only thing that they can see is the power and the dominance of the Philistine army. So they are hidden. So they are hidden. And this morning, I, I want to talk to the church. And I wish that I could go on tour and talk to every church in America because I believe that the church was never designed to be no cowards. Come on, I don't need everybody to agree with me today. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But I just want to talk to a few people that understand that it means something in this day and age to me to say I'm a part of the church. Come, come on, I'm sick and tired of hearing all the negative press that the church is getting. I'm sick and tired of having to, to, to be somewhat ashamed to be a part of the organization that bears the cross. Amen. I'm sick and tired of folk coming to me and talking to me with all negativity about those of us that worship the almighty God. I stopped by here today to stir up some people in this room that don't mind standing with me and shouting, I am a child of the most high God. For God I live, for God I die. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Where, 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 where my believers at? Where, where, where the people at that, that say, I, I, I am a Christian and I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would spend my entire life bringing glory and honor to the one, watch this, that saved my soul. The one that crawled up on the cross and gave his life that I might have everlasting life. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a part of the church. Come on, high five somebody on your road. Tell them I'm a part of the church and I'm proud of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to talk to the church because we were not designed to be bottom feeders. Hallelujah. <laughs> Dex, we're not designed to be bottom of the food chain. Come on, somebody. We, we, we got to understand something that we have the spirit of the almighty God on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As the, wor the world goes, as we go. Here's, here's what people don't understand. Here's what the church doesn't understand is that this world will go as we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can debate for days and days why even our country is in the state that it's in. You can point to 
this party or this man or this thing or that thing. But I got news flash for you, church. It ain't got nothing to do with a party. It ain't got nothing to do with an economy. It's got everything to do with the church. Uh, this country was founded on Christianity. This country was founded on a belief in Jesus Christ. This country, even our money, had stamped on it. In God we and the moment our country began to accept wayward thinking as it, posed, uh, as, as it pertains to our religion was the moment we began to take a step backwards. It was the moment we began to, to, to not be the leaders in the world, but begin to share even leadership with foreign governments and, and foreign countries. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing except for the body of Christ has somehow taken a lesser stance. And, and like we see here in this scripture, we're not above ground anymore. We're in caves in holes and there was a phrase that I coined for the church years ago and it was a play on some words or something that wasn't so positive but everybody could understand what I was saying it's time for the church to come out of the closet y'all know what it means when you come out of the closet back in our day when I was little your sexual preference you would come out of the closet and say you were this or that and let the world know who you are and what you were well, I'm talking to the church today, and I, I, I feel like there's some church members who are in the closet. People on your job don't even know how saved you are. People that live in your, in your house or a part of your family don't know how big of a Jesus freak you are. Come on, there's some people in here today, I'm calling you to come out of the closet. We were never designed, watch this, to tolerate injustice. I need to preach to you today. <laughs> it is not your DNA to tolerate injustice. It's not a part of who you are to be a Christian. And when you see injustice, to tolerate it. Now, now I want to go a step further. Because we've got to understand that the body of Christ is governed by and covered by the laws of the kingdom. <laughs> two things, two things. We, we govern by, so we read our word, and we try to line our life up with the word of God. Somebody say amen. Come on, come on, come on. These, these are all, I know we, we are Americans. I know that, that we live in this society and, and, and there are some, some other laws that govern us, uh, of our humanity and, and govern uh, uh, what we do or don't do as citizens in this land. But, but please understand more than you identify. I've been preaching this message for a while now. It's very passionate to me. More than you identify with being an American. More than you identify with being a black man or a white man. More than you identify with a political party. You should identify with being being a saved citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You ought to identify more with being a Christian. There is not one thing in your life that you should sway towards your identity more than being a blood-bought child of the most high God. So you govern yourselves. We govern ourselves. We are governed by the laws of the kingdom. 
That's what we do. Whatever we read in the Bible, wherever the Lord speaks to us late in the midnight hour, whatever he teaches us, which lines up with his word, we govern ourselves by the laws of the kingdom. But just like we are governed by the laws of the kingdom, we are also covered by the laws of the kingdom. You got to understand something here today, church, that, that when, when, when God says you are my child, when God says you are in my kingdom, then when a law is broken, watch this, as it pertains to you and I, then something is going to move in the kingdom realm, in the spiritual realm. I, I need you to understand what I'm saying. That's why we are not governed by, this is why we are not uh, uh, under a mandate for whatever the economy says. And I, I need you to understand me. I don't care if Wall Street is down. I don't care if the housing market is down. I don't care if the dollar is down. It doesn't matter because that doesn't govern me. I'm governed by the laws of the kingdom. And the kingdom law is that when I give, God will give back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto my bosom. The law says that if I tithe, that God is going to cover me. My father-in-law says I got G-O-D insurance. As long as I come into the church and I bring the 10, God's going to cover the 90. Uh-oh. 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 The laws of man says that when cancer comes in your body, that you can begin to count down the days that you live. But all you ought to look at your neighbor and say, we're not governed by that law. We're not covered by that law. For the Bible lets me know that by his stripes... Come on, somebody. The Bible tells me that healing is bread for his children. The Bible lets me know that where two or three can come together and pray about a thing. Somebody ought to shout in here, God is able to heal. Come on, somebody ought to shout it, God is able to heal. Come on, somebody ought to shout it, God is able to heal. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we understand the sovereignty of God, but as long as I'm here in the earth, my job is just to believe. God's going to do what God's going to do because he's sovereign. But, but as long as I'm a child of God, I'm going to continue to believe. Somebody agree with me here today. Say amen to that. So not only are we governed, Pastor, by the law, we're covered by the law. And here's the reason why I bring these things up. Because our responsibility now as children of God, as men and women of God, is to be able to take notice of what's out of order. Woman of God, our job as men and women of God is to have a radar on what's happening in our area. It's to take an inventory of what's happening in the church, to take an inventory of what's happening in your neighborhood to take an inventory of what's happening on Wall Street and in Washington, to be able to notice what is going on. And if you find something that is not in order, if you find something that is out of order, then that's when you stand on the word of God and say, God, you have called me, you have predestined me, and you have also justified me, which means everything in my presence has to be lined up with the order of God. Hey, hey. That's why we don't worry about the things that are happening. You, listen, when, when we see 
that, that school boards have decided that children won't be able to pray in school anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, that's out of order. No, come on, I'm going to talk to this side of the room. Come on, come on, look at your neighbor and tell, tell your neighbor and say, that's out of order. When, when, when you see the news and you read the statistics that say divorce rate is at an all-time high. Uh, watch this. Not just amongst people of the world, but also in the church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's out of order. When, when, you, when you look around in many congregations all over the world and you see that the churches are filled with mostly just women and not men, when God has called, watch this, men, the heads. Come on, you need to look at your neighbor and say, that's, that's out of order. Come on, look at somebody and say, that's out of order. When, when, when you find believers, those that believe in the almighty God, and they are broke, busted, and disgusted. Ain't got two nickels to rub together, but yet we suit, we, 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 we tend to want to praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, where's the glory in that? No, no, no. I need you to understand what I'm saying. How am I going to bring God glory and I can't even bless nobody? How am I going to bring God glory and I can't put clothes on nobody's back? How am I going to bring God glory and I can't build houses for people? How can I bring God glory when my brother needs something to eat and I can't even buy him a Happy Meal because I'm scraping together two pennies to buy my own Happy Meal? Look at your neighbor and say, where's the glory in that? You need to understand when you see poverty, when you see oppression, when you see slavery, that is out of order and things need to be corrected. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand something. God sent Jesus. Jesus died for us. And, and he didn't just die for us to one day go to heaven. You, you got to understand that when, when, when the word salvation is mentioned to mankind, that it encompasses so much more than, than, than the afterlife. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and he, he spoke and he gave up the ghost and, and the Bible says it's all finished and everything has been handled, your salvation means that you are no longer uh, living on the bottom, that God has created you to live on the top. That you are no longer supposed to be a borrower, but God has already given you an, uh, an anointing to be a lender. Come on, somebody. When, when, when Jesus died for us, that's a part of your salvation package. Who am I preaching to in here? What I'm trying to tell you is that it does the church no good to come into the assembly every day or come into Roundo every day and just shout and give God praise. Come on, I need to talk to somebody in here today. It does us no good to only come and tune up the keyboard and tune up the bongos and, and lift our voices in praise. Let me tell you something. God has placed you and I here, watch this, to be a showcase for his glory. God has placed us here to be a showcase. Well, what, what, what do you mean? He said, Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. I want them to come into the wilderness and worship me. I want to make every nation that looks upon them be in awe of the glory that is upon their life. Now, God says, I'm going to get the credit. I'm going to be the one behind it, but I'm going to make them a show glass to every other nation. Let me, let me help some of the ladies in the room. You know how when you go to the mall or when you go... Uh, back in the olden day downtown, you know, and you used to walk by the, the store and they had the mannequin all dressed up in the window. You could be on your phone. You could be talking to the person walking with you. But sometimes that mannequin caught your eye. And why did they put those mannequins in the window? To catch your eye. To stop you in your tracks. 
to draw you in. <laughs> you got to understand that God said, I want to dress the church so good. <laughs> I want to make the church so pretty. I want to give the church, I want the church to have it going on so much that when people from the world are walking by, <laughs> when people from the world are minding their business, on their phone, talking to one another, that they see you and do what, preacher? Come on in. But we've got to understand that we can't have that effect when we're in the hole. We can't have that ripple when we're hiding. We can't have a mega effect on the world when our perspective of who God is is in the hole. Why are you preaching this in this church, Pastor? Why are you preaching this church? Let's call a timeout. Flag on the play. I want everybody to do something for me. I want you to look to your left and then look to your right. And then if there's room beside you, I want you to scoot over. Come on, come on, do it. All right, stop. Look to your left. Look to your right. And if there's room in the other direction, I want you to scoot over. Scoot. The result of your perspective shows in your scoot. Because if we really knew who God was, if we really had our brains wrapped around what our duties are in this season, you wouldn't have no room to move in this church. Don't tell me about how stubborn people are. I don't want to hear that people don't want to come to church. Because let me tell you, mankind has not changed one iota. People been not wanting to come to church. People been not wanting to hear the gospel. Did you not hear that they crucified Jesus? Did you not understand that they took the, the Son of God and strung him up on a cross because they thought he was foolish, because they thought he was silly? Do you not understand that if Jesus and the 12 didn't have an excuse to fill the room, neither do you, neither do I? <laughs> oh, we're going to bless somebody here today. We're going to bless somebody here today. It is a result of our perspective. It is a result of how we think. It is a result of what we know about God. And what we know about God has been greatly hindered because of where we are. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we see oppression, when we see poverty, when we see slavery has invaded the body of Christ, watch this. It should move us. In this season, before people can hear about your God, they need to see your God. In this season, before they can be fully persuaded like you are, they need to see what God is doing in your life. They need to see the victories he's won in your life. They need to see your faith. They need to hear your testimony. Who am I preaching to in the day? But many of us have become so comfortable with observing the foolishness of the world that we haven't seen a real move of God. Because a real move of God 
only comes when feet step out on waters that may fail your feet. Come on, y'all need to understand what I'm saying. Uh, uh, miracles happen where feet may fail. Miracles happen when you step out on things that aren't certain, but the church has become comfortable. How? Comfortable. I'm trying to take my time. Look at you. Comfortable in watching foolishness. Got popcorn in the front row seat. To watch young men walking around throwing away their life. To see narrow-minded women running after any and everything that have no standards anymore. Who am I preaching to? That'll crawl up and shack up with somebody who ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. Look at your neighbor and say, no standards. And don't get mad at the brothers. Don't get mad at your guys. Because you would get away with what you can get away with too. Please understand that we comfortable. We comfortable with wayward government. We comfortable. We comfortable with the foolishness of, of this world. We comfortable with the television shows that we're watching. We comfortable. Back in my day, to see immoral sexual acts happening on TV rarely happened. If it happened, mama would jump up and turn the TV off. But now mama just turns it down a little bit because she don't want the kids to hear it in the other room because she want to watch it. We have become comfortable. We have become comfortable. We have become comfortable. Back in the day, back in the way, back in the day, the mothers of old wouldn't put up with not being able to preach Jesus in the school. But they've gotten away with it because we became comfortable. Back in the day, the church wouldn't stand for, for, for the government getting involved and saying what the church can do and what the church can do. But it's happening right now. And if you are not careful, it will happen even in this church. I want to show you something. As we try to bring this to a close, Dave, come here. I need your help. Come here, Dave. There's a contrast of perspectives or position in the scripture. Sit there, Dave. Hallelujah. Pastor Ross, I'm going to use you today. Could you come up here with me? Come on, man of God. I'm using you on purpose. You'll understand this in just a few minutes. I need you to understand something. That there is a contrast in positions in 1 Samuel 14. Dave represents Saul. Now, Dave, I want you just to relax yourself. Come on, get good and relax, like you're watching something at TV at home. Come on, kick your legs out, Dave. Get relaxed, Dave. Put your hand behind your head, Dave. Dave is chilling. The Bible says that Saul was on the outskirts of Givon. He was on the outskirts of the city. And his position was he was watching the movement of the Philistines. His position was like Dave. There was not enough 
righteous indignation in him to be stirred by the uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't have something going on on the inside of him that says like David, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine flex his muscle in the presence of the almighty God. <laughs> I, I, there's going to be a few people who's going to get this in a minute. Because, see, we, we, we know God. Saul knows God. Saul has, has cried out to God before. Like many of us, we know God or we know of God. And we've cried out to God before. And, and he saved us. He gave us some word. And we try to live our life now according to some of the things that we see in the word of God. But, 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 but we have become so, so, so used to being a Christian. So used to coming to church. So used to getting dressed up on Sunday. So used to singing our song that when we see the uncircumcised power of the devil, it don't bother us. And our position is one that says, pour me up some popcorn and let me look at what the Philistine are doing. So now what we do, we talk about the guys and say, look at them with their pants hanging down. We talk about the wayward girls and say, they ain't got no standards. We talk about people who are getting a divorce and say, look at them, they can't even stay married together. We talk about, we talk about, we talk about, but the question I got for you today, what are you doing? What is your position? We look at Christians who are broke, busted, and disgusting, and we talk about it. We watch it. And we, we say they should do better or they can do better. We look at things that are happening in our leadership and we talk about it. But we are unwilling to engage in spiritual warfare. We're not ready. But on the other hand, up on the high rise is Jonathan. Sit on the edge of your seat, Pastor. Sit on the edge of your seat. I need you to see the contrast in positions. One is kicked back watching. The other one's on his edge of his seat, ready to be engaged. I wonder, do we got a church full of people in here who are on the edge of your seat? When you see what the devil is doing in our society, I wonder if you're just waiting on the edge of your seat, looking at your coach and say, put me in coach. I can do something about this. I can have an effect in my community. I can have an effect in my church. I can have an effect on my job. How, preacher? I can be the one that starts the Bible study on my job. I can be the parent that goes and pick it in front of the schools and says, we can't do this without God. Haven't we seen enough evil in this country, in our schools, because we have allowed God not to be invited in. Who's on the edge of the seat when they see how things are going in ministry? When it's not excellent, when it doesn't represent the God that we serve, when we see just people just doing anything and giving any old thing to God. How many know that God is worthy of your best? That God is worthy for you to prepare? That God is worthy! Saul is sitting there. He's contemplating. He's watching it all go down. He's watching a country of people who are in holes and in caves and in clefts and hiding out. But oh, I thank God for Jonathan. Jonathan's sitting there looking at this whole mess go down. And he says, Abby John Brown 
if I'm going to allow the devil to be glorified over God. I'll be John Brown if we sit by when God is great, when God is all-powerful, when God is mighty, when God is Alpha and Omega, and give victory to the devil. I'll be John Brown. Sit down, Jonathan. Ain't time for you to get up yet. Sit down. Now watch this. I need you to understand this. Some battles, some battles will require agreement. That's why you couldn't do this by yourself. Because the old demon that is racism the old demon that is segregation, the old demon, oh, that, 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 that causes men to judge one another is a big demon with many imps. And it's a battle that's bigger than one you. It's a battle that's greater than what God has placed in just you. There are some battles that require agreement. I need to preach to somebody for a second because God wants to use you and you've been waiting on the many. Agreement does not necessarily mean many. The, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, God says I'll be in the middle of that. You've got to understand that broad is the way is, that leads to destruction. But what God has assigned your hand to do, that you may not have a clique, you may not have a crew, you may not have a posse. What God has assigned your hand to do can be accomplished if you can just find one person to agree with you. <laughs> you you're going to waste time. You're going to lose leverage. You, you're not going to gain momentum if you keep sitting back waiting on a crowd of people to hear what you've heard or to do what God is telling you to do. You're going to waste time uh, waiting on a gathering when God says, in order to do this thing, you only need one. Come on, man of God. Come on. Go stand behind him, man of God. Come on, somebody give God praise right now. Come on, somebody give God praise right now. <laughs> oh, I, I need you to understand something. That some things can only be birthed when there's an agreement. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to pause for a second because I need to speak to somebody's marriage right now. God has given your spouse an anointing to do something great here in the earth. But he needs y'all to stop fussing. He needs y'all to stop arguing. And he needs you to come into agreement with him. Man of God, I need to talk to you about your wife. God has his hands on your wife, and she don't need you right now to keep her pressed down, to keep her in the closet, to keep her in the background. God said, call her up to walk with you. He said, wash her with the word. Pour into her with the word. You need to agree. I could go deeper because even in your workplace, I need to speak to that old devilish spirit that lurks in some of us. And yeah, I know you could do the job good. Yeah, I know that you got a degree. Yeah, I know that you used to be a manager on your own job. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, but you ain't no manager now. You ain't the supervisor now. You ain't running the show now. 
and there's a man of God that owns your company that needs you to be in agreement with the vision of the business. So right now ain't the time for you to be insubordinate. You need to come into agreement with your boss, even though you don't like your boss, even though you, who am I preaching to? Even though you can't stand your supervisor, you got to come into agreement because God is going to give an anointing when you come into agreement. Jonathan is looking around, seeing what Saul sees. But the whole time, he is fit to be tied. He's sitting there saying, this don't make no sense. Enemy walking around here like he owns something. Walking around here like he the man. This has got me aggravated. I'm so upset. He said, I could go and slap somebody right now. Is there anybody in this church that's sick and tired of the devil flaunting it around in your face? And he sees it, and he's aggravated. And then he says to his armor bearer, he says, it's time to do something about this. He said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he says, God has given me a strategy. It said the way that he was going to pass through had two cliffs on both sides. I hope you didn't gloss over that. Because here's what you need to understand. I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm going to help this church right now. That if God is going to get the glory out of your life, he's going to do it. Watch this. He's going to rest the strategy upon one man. Oh, God. At my church, whether they want to agree with me or not, or whether they want to accept it or not is a better word, God has called me for that moment. It may change next week. It may change 10 years from now. But for now, somebody say for now. Come on, come on. For now, I'm the man that God is going to use, watch this, to give strategy. <laughs> this is important. I don't need, I don't, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the assembly right now. God is going to use the man of God to give a strategy. Now, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, he says to the armor bearer, you know what? Let's go up. We're going to show ourselves to the Philistine. I, I, need to, I need to show you this. I need you to read this with me. He says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. And then he says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many <laughs> or by few. See, Saul's sitting here chilling, and he got all y'all behind him. Yeah, but Jonathan's sitting here with one man. And he said, God is able to save regardless of how the numbers work out. I declare and decree that the man of God that God has sent to this house has the faith of Jonathan. And it don't matter what y'all up against. It don't matter what come up against y'all. I believe with my whole heart that he's got the faith to see a Philistine problem and believe that God shall give you the victory. I'm about to bless the whole church in a minute. So he says, he's talking to his right-hand man, and he says, God is a bad mamma jamma. He's all that in a bag of chips. And if he is for us, I don't care who out there. 
he's going to give us the victory. That's what he's saying. And you see what Pastor Ron is doing right now? The whole time I'm talking, Pastor Ron is saying, yes, sir. Because he's the right man to walk with the man. He's the right man to stand by the side. He's the right man. God has caused them and knitted their spirits together. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. And you two got to work hard not to let nothing or no one come between the bond that you guys have with one another. Because the agreement that you two have is going to represent the power that's going to move this church forward. I like the armor bearer's response. The armor bearer says, do all that you have in your mind. <laughs> do all that you have in your mind. He says, uh, go ahead. Watch what he says. I am with you, heart and soul. This was key to me. This was key, Pastor. This was key, Pastor. Congregation, this is key. Because you're going to have to understand when God gives the man of God vision. Notice what the armor bearer said. He said, do all that you have in your mind. In other words, I know that there's a vision that's been placed on your mind. And I want you to do all that's been placed in your mind. I need somebody to hear this. He didn't question the vision. He didn't second guess the vision. Because he had already, watch this, sold out to God. And because God had already brought him a leader, watch this, he trusted God by trusting him. So he stood with him and he said, whatever the vision is that God has given you to bring us out or up from where we are, I trust what's in your head. <laughs> he didn't take a vote. He didn't call a church meeting. He didn't talk about it with his best friend. He didn't get on the phone and discuss it. He said, I'm going to be vulnerable to God. Watch this. Not vulnerable to pastor. Not vulnerable to, to Jonathan. I'm going to be vulnerable to God in that this statement is true. God, you brought me here. And you've given me my leadership. And if you allow leadership to do me, then it's going to be on you. It's not going to be on me. I humbly submit myself to God. I'm about done. I'm about done. He said, do all that you have in mind. And then Jonathan said, Jonathan released him. Did y'all see that? He said, well, come on then. He said, come on then. Jonathan asked him a question to see what was in his head and in his heart. And when they came on the, got on the same page, he said, well, come on then. I wonder, I wonder, are there any more armor bearers in this church? to do something in just a minute. Come on, I know this ain't usually how we do church, but I wonder if there's anybody else that has an armor bearer spirit that would get up out of your seat right now and come stand behind the man of God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, quickly. If there's someone in here right now with the armor bearer spirit that would come and stand behind the man of God, I want you to get out of your seat right now and move. I have some instructions for you. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 
Jonathan, you need more room. Scoot your chair up, Jonathan. Scoot your chair up, Jonathan. Hallelujah. 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 and take a picture of that. Pastor, I want you to mount it on your wall as a reminder of agreement. Alma Bearer, I want you to mount it as a memorial of agreement. And I need to give you some instructions before I close it down here today. The Alma Bearer said to Jonathan, he said, do all that you have in mind to do. And he said, I am with you, heart and soul. And I know that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But here's what God told me. He said, one, you can't walk with Jonathan where Jonathan is going if you ain't sold out to Jesus Christ. He said, if you're on the fence, then you need to step off the high rise. Because only those who have been persuaded can walk this walk. Your heart, your spirit man has to be decided. Now, honestly, I don't believe that nobody up here has got a problem with that. I believe that we all believe that Jesus died for us. I believe that we all believe that he is our savior. Come on, let me make sure I'm in the right place. If you believe that, give God some praise. Watch this. But he said, I need you to do one more thing. Through what he said to Jonathan, I believe that I'm supposed to tell you this. He says, I am sold out spiritually. Watch this. And I'm also sold out, he said, in my soul. The soul is the seat of your emotions. Pastor, when I read this, I about leaped out of my seat. Because I believe the biggest deterrent for the Jonathans that are in our society from having armor bearers that will go in places that it don't make sense to go is the fact that we have some emotional, unstable Christians. Glad that we're all up here. Because what I've seen more than anything in the life of my ministry is that people who love God often quit. People who love God often throw in the towel. And even though they don't throw in the towel on God, they'll throw in the towel on purpose. And it is because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Today, you will stand on this high rise and say, I believe in this church. I believe in this man of God. I believe in this man of God. And I'm declaring with everything that's within me that I'm going to serve God with them. And we're going to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Watch this. And then tomorrow you get sick in your body. Next week, somebody that you love goes through something that affects everybody. 
and your emotions take you out of the fight. Your emotions break your back because you were never all in in understanding that I got to widen my leg stance and I got to understand come hell or high water, I shall not be moved. I will serve the Lord if I don't have but one leg. If they come and tell me I got a blood clot in my right leg and they got to cut it off, you got to be settled in your spirit to say, God, it doesn't matter what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I'm going to serve you with everything I got. If your husband turns fool and walks out of your life, you got to be determined that this ain't going to stop me from serving God. If they give me a pink slip on my job tomorrow, I am determined I'm going to serve God. Join hands assembly as a sign of unity. Join hands as a sign of unity. was here on the evening when the man of God stood in this place and preached to you. And he said a phrase that I never forget because I never heard it before. But he talked about on the bone of this day. Wave at me if you remember that. And he encouraged and instructed the congregation to understand the marriage that they committed to on that day. For those of you who don't understand what I'm saying, the marriage of black men and white men. The marriage of making a statement to this evil world that we know how to have the love of Christ. That we know how to walk with each other in unity and bring God glory. I'm concerned that folk have forgotten. I'm concerned that one race is running the other race out. I don't say this haphazardly. As I sat and preached to you, mentally I'm counting. Blacks to whites, whites to blacks. I'm looking at your praise team and I'm counting. Blacks to whites, whites to black. And here's what you gotta understand, that your neighbor don't like this marriage. But you, armor bearer, has the power to kill that demon spirit in this city. You don't know it, you don't understand it, what you're doing, people are looking and they're saying that's awesome in their mind, but with their mouth, they're trying to discourage you. But you, armor bearer, has the power to turn the city upside down for the glory of God. But you cannot do it with one foot in and one foot out. I'm going to let you have your seat, but I need to tell you one other thing. 
your witness to what God is doing here is going to birth an explosion in this church. I want to elaborate to you. Many Christians has killed the church because we're hung up on preference. But they don't sing the kind of music I want to hear anymore. The preacher don't preach how I'm used to being preached to anymore. Well, I'm here to tell you that your preferences has nothing to do with the move of God. You know if the man of God only stood up here and read the scripture to you and didn't put any pizzazz to it, didn't raise his voice, just read the scripture. Watch this. That should be good enough for your edification. If the praise team sung 400 songs in a row that you did not know, your heart should go past the lyrics, past the melody, not past the lyrics, but past the melody, past the presentation of it, and straight to the lyrics, and say, I agree with how great is our God. I agree that he's a way maker, a miracle worker. Doctor, our, I agree that he is an almighty God. Yes, he is. And you should leave this place go straight in those streets and say there's no greater church than the assembly. There's no greater move of God than is happening right here in this church. You should go and tell everybody, look at what God is doing. When you come in this place and if you are a black man, you should refuse to sit with another black man. You should go sit beside a white man. If you're a white man, you should refuse to sit with your family and go and sit with somebody you didn't come into. Why? Because we're trying to send a message. This church is not normal. This church is not like every other church. This church is not cookie cutter. This church has a mission. And I believe it's straight from God. prayer, laboring in worship, laboring in the word. And there was mass destruction. <coughs> 20 men killed <coughs> in a half acre. 20. 20. Look at this crew here. I'm prophesizing over you now. The city is yours. Stay the course. Don't talk bad about your ministry. Don't talk bad about your leaders. Only glorify God. The report that you take back in the street, I need to let you know I ran into a lady at Long, Long Grain Cafe the other day. Don't judge me. But she told me, she walked straight up to me. She said, I'm a member of the assembly and they praise the God there. She was so excited. And I passed through a church and I knew about your church 
and I wanted to come to your church because of the passion in her. All right, we've been standing long enough. I get it. Come on, we're going to agree with each other in prayer. Come on, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. As these men and women stand here hand in hand, behind their leaders and with their leaders, I pray an anointing, a greater anointing over this house to turn this city upside down. I believe by faith that the example being given here in this church is going to touch the heart of city leaders, of our government in this city, that it's going to touch the heart of other ministry leaders. And they are going to follow suit. That the anointing is, and the grace that's given to this house is going to be so strong that the enemy is going to be defeated in racism here in Florence, South Carolina. Hallelujah, black men and white men are going to worship together. They're going to eat together. They're going to pray together. They're going to cry together. They're going to laugh together. A multitude. This church is bursting at the seam. Blacks are coming. Whites are coming. In the name of Jesus. Hispanics are coming. In the name of Jesus. People are coming from every tribe and every nation because of the love of these individuals and the vision of these leaders. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Now I want you to give God a praise like you've lost your mind. Come on, give God a praise like you've lost your mind.